Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. ASH for short. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best-in-class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. Find out more about the Alliance for Shared Health and sign up at stacyontheright.com or familyvisionmedia.org. Just click the link. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination, rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. Welcome in to Stacey on the Right, the podcast. You can find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. Guess what? Um, our last podcast was a little heavy about the impeachment and all of that. And so today, we're bringing a bomb to your soul. We're going to talk to one of my favorite people in the world about something she did this year that I just couldn't see coming. 2020 was this amazing journey for her, which I watched on Instagram. And there were moments where I just literally was thinking, is this... Kelly Marr, the Kelly Marr of you know, like the cutest clothes and the best presentations at um, all of the, the the conferences that we've attended over the past 10 years. Is this the same woman, statuesque, blonde with the aviators who she just rocked our world at every single event we ever attended. She was always up on the stage doing the most. And now I see her with, um, well, there's there's goats, there's there's chickens, there's ducks, there, there are little animals and they're adorable. And there's babies running around and she's making cheese. And um, it, it was just a transformation. It, it's something they could make a movie out of, quite honestly. And so it's my pleasure to welcome to Stacy on the Right. We have Kelly Marr. She is a small urban hobby farmer. She runs the website realbestlife.com. You can check out Real Best Life on Instagram as well. Kelly, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's so good <laughs> to talk to you. I loved that intro. 
well maybe one of the nicest things anybody said about me well it's true it's all it's all true so i have to go first off to um because it that's how we met politically we met you know at conferences and things like that and we would always be at the same conferences and we're both really really tall so we would kind of you know interface oh we're the tallest women in here and we're also wearing heels so we obviously we can talk to each other and from there (laughs) we just it's like like insta friends right yes go into a conference and you just kind of look above everybody's head and then (laughs) You see the other person whose head just like peeks up over everybody else's and you're like, ah, there's my friend. We haven't met right. yet, but she's definitely my friend. And then when we actually met and started like, you know, drinking coffee together and sitting through the, the different breakout sessions, we realized we actually have a ton in common. And we so do. there's there's just like... I love what you're doing with Real Best Life. There's recipes, the food, it looks amazing. Sometimes I'll sit here and I'm at, you know, in my little office at home and I'm doing my work and I'll, I'll, you know, be scrolling through Instagram and I'll like, oh, I wish I was having lunch at Kelly's today. Look what she's having. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe going to have like a sandwich or, you know, some leftovers from dinner last night. She's having some goat cheese and some kind of egg that comes from a little animal that's on her farm and, it just all is so delicious. So first off, tell us about Real Best Life, the website, and what you're doing there. So uh, a few years ago, right after we had our first son, and I think everybody kind of goes through this once you have kids, right? Like you start to ask yourself, what kind of childhood do I want to raise this person with? What kind of values do I want them to have? And it's just it's having a, a child, and I know you know this is just a very clarifying experience. Mm-hmm. And it sure was for me and my husband. And I think for us, you know, we really wanted to raise our, at that time, one and now two sons on a kind of small farm, learning chores and being outside and getting dirty. And um, just really kind of embracing that work ethic and that lifestyle. So we uh, found a property with just about four acres right outside of Denver, Colorado, and moved here. And I really didn't know anything about farming at all. Um, still, Still learning something new every day, but have slowly added chickens and ducks and goats. And now I'm making my own cheese. And then right after my second son was born, um, a friend of mine dared me to try to live off of what we produce here on the farm and what we hunt um, for an entire year. So I'm about halfway through right now. And it's actually really been such a fascinating learning experience and and such a growth experience for me. So... For people who are are listening, um, you said you mm-hmm. have a small urban hobby farm. How much land is that? Like, is this possible for any person who has a little bit of backyard or? Um, yeah, what? so we have uh, just under four acres, but there are some really great books out there. You know, self sufficiency on half an acre or um, uh, the one acre farm. There's there's tons of stuff if, if you have just a little bit of land. And even in our last house, which was just kind of a normal suburban house, I turned a lot of our lawn into raised beds and did a ton of tomatoes. And and really, I think especially with the pandemic, but 
you know, with everything that's happening in the world right now, people are really focused on, you know, where their food comes from and feeling security with that, but also creating tangible things and and growing gives so much meaning in your life. And it really has for me. But obviously I'm doing it like amped up to a 13 (laughs) with this crazy challenge. But it's been it's been really, really fun. So um, you you just under four acres, which is actually a very nice sized piece of land to do it. But obviously anyone can do it because there are books out there that show you how to do your raised beds on any size uh, plot of land. So you have the yeah. website, you have, you know, children now and your, your husband is obviously very supportive and you start down this journey. What would you say is the one thing or the top three things that surprised you about um, actually like you, you're halfway done with the year, but obviously you've been doing the farming a little bit longer than that. What what would you say as a kind of urban city girl um, surprised you most about this process? I mean, you know, so you're I've always for, since I was 17 or 18, I've always been a bird hunter. Um, but my relationship with animals has really changed because I was a bird hunter and I also had like a little Boston Terrier dog who had his entire own closet full of outfits in downtown Denver. And, and I do think that the way that I now have a different relationship with animals has been just really fascinating. And it's not, in some ways it's, it's a lot more meaningful and in other ways, I think I spend a lot less time anthropomorphizing animals than I did before. You know, like (laughs) when you have a little dog with outfits, he's kind of your fur baby. Mm -hmm. And for me now, animals are animals and I want to give them the best life and I want to um, help them to be fulfilled with their purpose. But they're also not people. And before, I definitely had that in my 20s a little bit. So that that was surprising, that kind of relationship shift. Um, you know, I, I'm also just, it's hard when you take on something as big as going from, you know, a constant coffee drinking, like wine all the time, kind of more cosmopolitan type of eater to going to like very basic foods. But I think the second thing that has surprised me the most is just how how much beauty there is in simplicity, if that makes sense. You know, some of, most of my meals are just right now zucchini. I zucchini grows exceptionally well in Colorado, so just have like zucchini coming out my ears. But um, you know, just really really simple meals of zucchini, some tomatoes. Um, I do make all of my own cheese and. And with just a few simple ingredients that are really, really good and come from my own hand, there's there's just so much like depth and beauty there and subtlety that you don't get when you are eating out at restaurants all the time or going to conferences all the time and just, you know, eating whatever. Also, uh, as of this morning, I've lost 68 pounds since August. Yeah, since I started this. And yet I it's the first time. I've ever done a diet where I eat as much as I want. I'm never hungry, but I mean, I like my sugar is honey that I barter for with my neighbor. Um, so no sugar, 
I did barter for some wheat, but it's not like I have, you know, like white bleached flour. I have no real preservatives except for I do canning and I do freeze drying. So, so that's, that's been a really, really big change too. Um, this is a book in the making, a bestseller, like across the country. <laughs> I hope you know that. Because um, if you say I've lost 68 pounds since August, every woman in America is looking at you like you did what now? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Because uh, I, I need but, to hear it again. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we've known each other for over a decade since we were 12. Um, <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's where we sit. But I mean, for me, I've done plenty of diets. I've done the diets where they mail you the food and then you only eat that food. And I've done the diets where you can only eat, you know, like I've done all the keto and then I always fall off because donuts. And then it's, and, and the thing with this challenge is that I can have anything if I'm creative enough and can figure out how to grow it and can figure out, you know, what, or, or figure out the person with whom I can barter. I have barter rules. And and so unlike other diets, it's not about what I can't eat. It's about um, figuring out how to be creative enough to get what I can eat or what I want. And I mean, it's also, it's also like the carbs that I do get. Um, I earned those carbs. I it's like, I earned them hardcore, right? I, I grew that potato. When I make those, but, but then I'll make breakfast potatoes that are fried in goat butter and I feel not at all bad about eating them. And I'm still feeling like I really accomplished something. So tell us which animals you have. Cause I'm, I'm, you, you keep talking about things that you're the homegrown year stuff that you have at your house. I'm wondering, I, I understand about the vegetables, but what animals do you guys have? I've seen, I think I've seen goats and ducks, chickens, pigs. What else? Yeah, you have a pig. Yeah, I. I mean, I can't. I let's be honest. I can't go a year without bacon. That would be the end of me. Um, and then I do have a buddy who I uh, bartered for some uh, beef, but then um, the homegrown year does extend to our hunting. So Mark, my husband, actually bow hunted and got two deer this year, um, and anything that we fish. Um, what my nephews actually this last week went, they went ice fishing for me and brought home a bunch of really big, beautiful Colorado mountain trout. And, um, so they, I bartered them for eggs cause they're, they're like 22, 23 and realize that homegrown eggs actually are much better at fighting off hangovers than the store-bought kind. So mm. I have a thing that they really <laughs> want. <laughs> So these are things coming. people do not just know on their own. I know, you know that. <laughs> no, but but I think the thing is I didn't know any of this and I've just slowly learned over time. You know, I I want to get like new chickens and then I do all the research about chickens and then I'll get some chickens and some will die because that's what happens and you just do your best. And you try to take care of your animals and you try to take care of your garden. And I mean, I really think that, and this is going to sound weird, but this entire challenge has been thus far just a real lesson in the art of like letting go and appreciating the impermanence of life. I know that sounds really like deep and weird, but 
Isn't that weird? I think it's beautiful that we should, we should recognize and number our days. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just an entire appreciation that I never had when a lot of my meals were drive-throughs and restaurants. and And I was just so far removed from it, but it's such a basic part of who we are as people. And we don't, when we eat, think about where our food comes from. And we have the luxury of doing that, by the way. Thank you to the free market, mm-hmm. right? Like people for most of the balance of history, the biggest concern that they had is where their next meal was coming from. We now live in a world where that is for many people not the biggest concern that they're facing. In fact, many people are trying to figure out how to eat less because they have too much food. And I think that we're so far removed from that, that in some ways it removes our appreciation and our ability to um, really like look at what we have and give thanks for it. So let's, let's just for one second discuss the logistics. Um, You guys bought the house with the, the, you know, almost four acres Yep. And then did you immediately set about making the the raised beds? Did you like did you buy the one acre self-sufficiency on one acre and start setting it up that way or how did you get started? So, you know, for us uh, now I've always enjoyed gardening. That's always been a pastime and just a thing that I loved doing. So, for me, I get uh raised beds or I get gardening in Colorado that time that you plant is Mother's Day. So that's always my Mother's Day gift. <laughs> so I got three little raised beds once we moved in, but um, the actual challenge didn't come about until um, after I had my first son. So we'd been here a little bit over a year, but um, you know, we added really, really good fencing just because we wanted good fencing and that wasn't aimed towards any specific goal. And then I added a little bit of a more of a garden and then got some milk goats because I actually grew up lactose intolerant. So I grew up drinking goat's milk. And so that was the thing I kind of wanted. And then we added that and I was on vacation with one of my girlfriends and uh, it was actually the first vacation that I had had to post my second pregnancy and so you know how it goes. You haven't, mm. and, and it was in Napa. Um, mm. And so I hadn't had anything to drink really in almost over a year because I'd been pregnant and then I'd had a baby. And so it was my first time getting away. And I didn't see myself as obnoxious, but you know how it is the first time you're getting wine and beautiful Napa. And we would go to these great restaurants and they would bring out these meals that were, you know, all local California tomatoes and like um, cheeses from their dairies up the road and all the stuff. And and I would do this thing where um, these beautiful meals would come out and I'd say, oh, I mean, their feta is good, but my feta is... <laughs> and so um, some of my friends actually call it the why don't you marry it year? Because eventually after going to enough of these restaurants and realizing that I could make a lot of these meals that we were getting that were really special, but I could make a lot of them at home. My friend looked at me and she goes, well, why don't you live off of your own farm then? And 
the rest of the weekend ended up um, making up kind of the rules of this challenge. But there are so many challenges that, you know, the rules are just made up. Like, why is the marathon 32.2 miles? I don't know. Miles, yeah, something like that. It's a lot of miles. It's way more miles than I'm ever going to run. But, you know, I mean, the rules surrounding these challenges or these feats that people do are all kind of made up. And so we made up the rules of this challenge and wrote them all down. And I'm just crazy enough to do it. Wow. So how would you say this is a full time job then taking care of the animals? Um, you know, the, that's the part I think that's the most daunting because I, I have a little garden and that is actually it's a raised garden and it's on our deck. Actually, it's not in our yard, even though we have we have three acres, but I don't have any beds in our actual yard because my husband's like, whatever we make, I have to be able to mow around it. And so I've not yet tackled setting an area aside where he would not need to mow close to basically a garden bed. So I have it on our deck. Um, but I don't spend very much time. I just put the tomatoes and some zucchini and stuff in it and then I eat off of it and that's it. But you have a much larger uh, raised garden bed system. And so then you have the animals, of course, that you have to feed and you still have to take care of them even when it's horrible weather like right now where the country is covered in snow. So would you say it's a full-time thing or it's half of your day, a quarter of your day? Because I'm on your website right now and I'm looking at the ducks lined up behind your, your work shed, your she shed. <laughs> Um, and they're just like, they're just like going along in a little row. And I'm like, those are so cute. But this is a warm weather video. Um, ha- how how much time does this take? <laughs> you know, it's not actually, it, you can get systems down, right? Like even, even your own raised bed system, there are automatic waters that you can set up. There are timers. And so really a lot of being able to do something like this is a is a study in setting up efficient systems and figuring out how to utilize those. So, um, for instance, right now it is bitterly cold here, and I have kids, um, not human kids, but goat kids, do literally any minute, like starting potentially tomorrow, <laughs> which is a little bit crazy. So I've been going out every hour and checking to make sure that nobody's in labor. Um, but that'll be fun. Um, I will be putting that on my YouTube channel once we get goat babies because it is it is just a really, really fun time of year. Um, so today and tomorrow will be a lot more. But I have a job and I have two children under four and I work really hard. And the thing a lot of people tell me, though, is, oh, I would love to have a little farm when I retire. I mean, I'm never going to be in better shape or younger than I am today. And so I just had to kind of embrace it. And I get up at, you know, 5, 5.30, which was never a thing I did before we moved here. And I go out and I feed the chickens that they're largely self-sufficient. I mean, they're pasture raised. So I open the door and they run around all day and then they go in at night and I get the eggs and I feed the pig basically anything that's left over and she's uh she's just a happy camper most of the time. I make sure in cold like this that everyone has access to fresh water all the time. And um if I have goats and milk, which I do most of the year, about 10 months out of the year, then milking seven goats takes me I've got it down to like 22 minutes. What? So 22 minutes twice a day. So <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So you're talking like two to three hours a day. 
Um, but we also get to do it as a family. You know, the the boys, our children come out and they do chores with us, even though they're little. And then on the weekends, then you do like the bigger chores. You do you clean out the chicken coop and you scoop out and you bring out hay bales for the goats. But, you know, you give them two or three bales of hay a week and then they're pretty much set. So it is a thing that depending on how far people want to go with it, and they certainly don't have to go crazy and not do anything else the way that I am, you can do small incremental things and then set up systems to be efficient and have a good use of time. And you can still reap the benefits of this kind of self-sufficient lifestyle without having to just quit everything else. Wow. So I'm on realbestlife.com and it says five ways to secure your own food supply. Um, I'm putting these links into the um, the podcast episode so you can click on those and you can head over to her Instagram page or to realbestlife.com so you can share this. I think the thing that I'm hearing from you, if I'm getting this right, is that this is doable for anyone and it's not a matter of the size of your yard or whether or not you're, you know, working full time or retired. It's just a choice that you made that has you've just gotten so much more out of it than maybe you even thought you might. Oh, I had no idea when I started this how transformed I would be. And I'm only halfway done. But I mean, there are steps that anybody could take. Even if you're in an apartment in the middle of the city, you can grow a few plants on your windowsill. You can start with herbs. You can go to a farmer's market or make a partnership with a local farmer. And the other thing I've learned, Stacey, is just that there are small urban farmers everywhere. It's so awesome and weird because I always thought in the middle of downtown Denver that the farms were just somewhere else, right? Like they're they're just elsewhere. They're far out. And I'm learning the more people that I meet that really there are people who are doing this everywhere. And there are people who are taking control of their food supply and also the like the mental health aspects that go along with that all over the country in every nook and cranny. And it's a great way. I've met all kinds of new goat friends I never would have met any other way. It's really neat. <sighs> okay, so we could keep talking forever, which has always been a thing for us. Um, but I, I have to say, I'm already in my mind planning out a couple of months from now, checking in with you once the weather turns and getting some more tips because I feel like this is more than just a single podcast interview. It's more like a continuing conversation that we can have to encourage others. Um, really, honestly, it just takes an, a little seed, like an idea. You know what? I could probably do that. And then once you've made that decision, you can go forward and do a little more and a little more. And before you know it, you have this transformative experience like the one that Kelly Meyer has just explained to us. And I got to tell you, um, I find it invigorating and exciting and it's almost like a little bit of a um, refreshing for the mind because it's mostly politics. And now we've just spent all of this time discussing your homegrown year. And, you know, I've, I've been, as we've been talking, I've been immersing myself in your website again. And so I just recommend people to click the links through. And 
um, what, what is your closing thought for us? For those who are listening to the podcast right now, and they might be feeling even a little tingly, like I think I need a couple of goats or something like that. Do, do you need big barns and stuff or what? No, no. My goats mostly hang out in um, dog loos. They're about the size of a Labrador. And in fact, lots of people who just live in normal suburbs don't know that they are, in fact, zoned for goats. So you can check it out. But, you know, a lot of people got on the kind of backyard chicken train. You can also get on the, the backyard goat train. You uh, you must have two. Don't get one. They will cry uh, really loudly if they're alone. They need a buddy. But I know tons of people who live in the suburbs and just have some small milk goats. I have miniature Lamontas. Some people get Nigerian dwarves, but we know about the size of dogs. So, and in probably lower maintenance than dogs, especially if you had a dog the same way that I did with outfits. But I think the thing, I think the thing, Stacey, is just, this is, like, I love it, but I'm not special, you know? Like, I'm not doing anything that somebody else can't do. I'm not, I'm not, like, extra unique. I don't have some kind of special farm training. Most of my farm training came from Googling and YouTubing how to do things. So this is, this is an accessible dream for people. And especially now, especially when people are focused on creating tangible things, which is, I think, why we saw people getting into sourdough bread. You know, they want to create something that they can hold in their hands um, being able to start to take control of and think about where your food comes from is something that is just very deeply inherently human about all of us. And it's something that can unite everybody regardless of politics or the division that we're feeling right now. Mm, you know? So true. So true. Well, okay. So I will only disagree with one thing that she said on the program today, and that is that she says she's not special. She's totally special, and I hope you guys are so jelly of me that I have a relationship with Kelly that is personal and real and ongoing, and I wish you could all be friends with her, but that's just not possible, so I will enjoy that unique distinction. Um, but I, I have to say, we're going to talk again. I, I really do want to have you on again when the weather gets warm to talk about some of the things that you're doing with your wonderful animals and check in with you on the homegrown year again, and I recommend for everyone who's listening to the podcast to head over to realbestlife.com. You can also follow her on Instagram where you get these images of the food. It's like a daily thing where she posts, this is what I made and, or I'm having this again. And it's really interesting to see how simple the food is, yet it is very appetizing. The images will make you want to rush into the kitchen and make some eggs and put some cheese that you did not make yourself onto it and simulate what she's actually living with. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I recommend it. Realbestlife.com and Real Best Life on Twitter or actually on Instagram. I'm not sure if you're on Twitter. On Instagram. Nope, not on Twitter. That's a, that's a welcome relief. That I'm, I'm recommending it to others. Get get yourself away from Twitter um, and live a real life. And so we'll talk again soon, Kelly Marr. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll be back with another podcast in a few days. Until then, God bless you. <laughs> Oh,
Also, head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com and click the link to find out more about the Alliance for Shared Health and Shared Health Alliance.